With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To be satisfied so that your services are not acceptable or needed. He left me most dissatisfied and scolding. The sending of this confederate on the part of the wily general had precisely the effect hoped for. Lapierre and his friends were now convinced that the inheritance tessier was a reality and that powerful personages were not only exerting their influence to prevent the rightful heirs from obtaining their property, but had also in some way secured the cooperation of government officials. It was agreed, on all hands, that the worthy landowner, accompanied by Madame Redan, had better proceed at once to the scene of operations, and unite with the general in their common purpose. Once on the ground, Lapierre could assume direction of his own campaign. Lapierre and Madame Redan accordingly sailed for America and arrived in New York on the 4th of December, 1904, where they were met on the dock by the general, who, freshly barbered and with a rose in his buttonhole, invited them, as soon as they had recovered from the fatigue of landing, to make a personal inspection of their properties. These heirs to hundreds of millions of dollars were conducted by the Marquis de la Dessa and Count de Tinoco to the battery, where he gallantly seated them in an electric surface car, and proceeded to show them the inheritance. He pointed out successively number 100 Broadway, the Flatiron Building, the Fifth Avenue Hotel and the Holland House, the Waldorf Astoria, the Vanderbilt Mansion at 57th Street and Fifth Avenue, the Hotel Savoy and the Hotel Netherland, incidentally taking a cross-town trip to the ferry station at East 23rd Street and to Bellevue Hospital. A public omnibus conveyed them around Central Park, also their own, and in spite of the cold weather, the general insisted on showing them the Tessier mansion and estate at Fort George, visible from the Washington Bridge, a beautiful property in the center of a wood. Returning, he took them to the Museum of Natural History and to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which contained Tessier's collections. Having thus given them a bird's-eye view of the promised land, the general escorted them to his apartments and allowed them to see the Ark of the Covenant in the shape of a somewhat dilapidated leather trunk, which contained a paper alleged to be the will of Jean Tessier, made in Bellevue Hospital, one of his possessions, and unlawfully seized by the Lespinas family. It was only, Moreno alleged, through the powerful influence of the Jesuits, that he had been able to secure and keep a copy of this will. Although the Marquis de la Dessa must have known that his days were numbered, he was as gay and as entertaining as ever. Then, suddenly the scales began to fall from Madame Redon's eyes. The promised meeting with Marie-Louise Lespinasse and her mysterious representative, Mr. Benedict Smith, was constantly adjourned. 
the police agents whom it had been so necessary to entertain and invite to saloons and cafes were strangely absent and so were the councillors jesuit fathers bankers and others who had crowded the general's antechambers a slatternly hibernian woman appeared claiming the hero as her husband his landlady caused him to be evicted from her premises and his trunk containing the famous dossier was thrown into the street where it lay until the general himself placing it upon his princely shoulders bore it to a fifteen-cent lodging-house and now monsieur said little madame Redon, raising her hands and clasping them entreatingly before her we have come to seek vengeance upon this miserable this vilain monsieur he has taken our money and made fools of us surely you will give us justice yes echoed lapierre stubbornly and the money was my own money which i had made from the products of my farming a month later don pedro suarez de moreno count de tinoco marquis de la dessa and brigadier-general of the royal armies of the philippines and of spain sat at the bar of the general sessions twirling his moustache and uttering loud snorts of contempt while lapierre and madame redon told their story to an almost incredulous yet sympathetic jury but the real trial began only when he arose to take the witness chair in his own behalf apparently racked with pain and laboring under the most frightful physical infirmities the general through an interpreter introduced himself to the jury by all his titles asserting that he had inherited his patents of nobility from the prince of arras from whom he was descended and he was in very truth general-in-chief of the armies of the king of spain general secretary of war and custodian of the royal seal he admitted telling the lapierres that they were the heirs of five hundred million dollars but he had himself honestly believed it when he and the rest of them had discovered their common error they had turned upon him and were now hounding him out of revenge the courtly general was as distingue as ever as he addressed the hard-eyed jury of tradesmen before him as what can i he must have regarded them what a position for the count de tinoco then two officers entered the courtroom bearing the famous trunk of the general between them the top tray proved to contain thousands of railroad tickets the prosecutor requested the defendant to explain their possession ah exclaimed moreno twirling his mustaches when i was general under my king don carlos in the seven years war of seventy-five and also in catalonia in eighty i issued these tickets to wounded soldiers for their return home at the boundaries the spanish tickets were exchanged for french tickets he looked as if he really meant it then the prosecutor called his attention to the fact that most of them bore the date of eighteen ninety one and were printed in french not in spanish the prisoner seemed greatly surprised and muttered under his breath vaguely about plots and conspiracies then he suddenly remembered that the tickets were a collection made by his little son beneath the tickets were found sheaves of blank orders of nobility and blank commissions in the army of spain bearing what appeared to be the royal seal these the general asserted that he had the right to confer by proxy for his king don carlos hundreds of other documents bearing various arms and crests lay interspersed among them the prisoner drew himself up magnificently i was the general secretary of war of my king said he when i had to give orders to the generals under me of whom i was the chief i had the right to put thereon the royal imprint of don carlos i was given all the papers incident to the granting of orders and grades in the army and i had the seal of the king the seal of the royal king 
but unfortunately for the prisoner the seals upon the papers turned out to be the legitimate arms of spain and not those of don carlos and as a finale he ingenuously identified the seal of the mayor of madrid as that of his royal king next came a selection of letters of nobility sealed and signed in the name of pope leo the thirteenth these he asserted must have been placed there by his enemies i am a soldier and a general of honor and i never did any such trafficking he cried grandly when charged with selling bogus patents of nobility he explained some of his correspondence with the lapierres and his famous bill for twelve thousand dollars by saying that when he found out that the inheritance tessier did not exist he had conceived the idea of making a novel of the story a fantastic history to be published in four languages simultaneously and asserted solemnly that he had intended printing the whole sixteen feet of bill as part of the romance then to the undisguised horror of the unfortunate general at a summons from the prosecutor an elderly frenchwoman arose in the audience and came to the bar the general turned first pale then purple he hotly denied that he had married this lady in france twenty-three years ago name of a name he had known her yes certainly but she was no wife of his she had been only his servant the other lady the hibernian was his only wife but the chickens had begun to come home to roost the pointed moustaches drooped with an unmistakable look of dejection and as he marched back to his seat his shoulders no longer had the air of military distinction that one would expect in a general of a royal king his head sank on his chest as his deserted wife took the stand against him the wife whom he had imagined he would never see again anyone could have seen that elizabeth de moreno was a good woman her father's name she said was nichaud and she had first met the prisoner twenty-three years ago in the village of dock in the department of the tarn where in eighteen eighty three he had been convicted and sentenced for stealing bed linen from the hotel cassam she had remained faithful to him in spite of his disgrace and had visited him daily in prison bringing him milk and tobacco on his liberation she had married him and they had gone to live in bordeaux for years they had lived in comfort and she had borne him eight children he had never been to any war and was neither a general nor so far as she had known a friend of don carlos she had supposed that her husband held some position in connection with the inspection of railroads but in 1902 it had come out that he was in the business of selling counterfeit railroad tickets and had employed a printer named paul casignol to print great numbers of third-class tickets for the purpose of selling them to ignorant soldiers and artisans moreno had fled to america she had then discovered that he had also made a practice of checking worthless baggage stealing it himself and then presenting claims therefore against the railroad companies she had been left without a sou and the rascal had taken everything she had away with him including even the locket containing the hair of her children by the time she had finished her story moreno's courage had deserted him the jury without hesitation returned a verdict of guilty and the judge then and there sentenced the prisoner to a term at hard labor in state's prison mais oui grunts lapierre as the crow with a final call of contempt alights in a poplar further down the road i don't blame the bird for laughing at me but after all there is nothing to be ashamed of is one to be blamed that one is fooled eh we are all made fools of once and again and as i said before he would have deceived the devil himself but perhaps things are better as they are money is the root of all evil 
If I had an automobile, I should probably be thrown out and have my neck broken. But if Monsieur intends to take the next train for Bordeaux, it is as well that he should be starting. End of chapter 2 Recording by Colleen McMahon